Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Demonland Podcast. Uh, my name is Andy, and joining me as he does every every week, uh, Grape Viney. Good evening, Grape Viney. How are you? I'm good, Andy. Uh, thank you very much, and good evening to uh, all the Demonland faithful out there. Yes, uh, we've got quite a few people listening live, and that's uh, always great. If you want to join us, we've got a chat room. Uh, go to demonland.com slash podcast. There is a uh, link all on probably any page you're on at the moment, or if you go up the top, there's a link that says podcast. Uh, click that tab, and you'll get to the chat room. And as long as you're logged in, you can uh, chat with us in real time. Um, and shortly, we're going to be bringing on uh, a very special guest, uh, We've had, um, you know, we've had uh, draft week or what's a draft night uh, last Friday night, um, and it was, I mean, for the D's fans, we, we had a little bit of a wait, didn't we, uh, Great Viney? Uh, we did uh, second round, um, so sort of late twenties. Pick twenty nine was the first one, and uh, quite a few sort of in a uh, in a short space of time there. So. Um, Look, we'll uh, get Jason Taylor's opinion on all of that um, and try and get a, just dig a little bit behind the uh, uh, behind what we see and, and find out about the process and what's involved leading up to uh, draft day. So that should be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, I wanted to sort of, uh, you know, we don't. It's not often we get to to sort of speak to the the guys behind uh, behind the scenes of a football club, uh, particularly um, in regards to to the drafting and recruiting. Uh, they're sort of the uh, the the forgotten people that that no one, you know, no one ever. They don't get the credit. Um, they sometimes get uh, <laughs> they sometimes get bagged when things don't work. But uh, really, they are sort of behind the scenes and you know there are a lot of people that don't know the names of you know a jason taylor so um it'd be great to uh sort of speak to him and uh, sort of ask about the processes there's probably quite a few that know the name of barry Pender, uh barry prendergast so um when you get them wrong uh plenty of people do remember your name but um yeah probably less so when you when you nail them although i think uh uh, and we, if we um, get the time, we'll raise it with Jason. I think we'd all be grateful for the selection of Clayton Oliver last year um, at number four, and uh, that's certainly one that's worked out well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it definitely has worked well. Now, we're just going to take a quick break. We wanted to get um, a Jason on before um, the show started, but uh, it was a little bit delayed. He's good to go now. Uh, I've just got the, the call that he's good to go. So just going to take a quick break bring bring him on and um and we'll get started uh while you're in the break uh, you'll hear some uh, f- uh you'll hear uh f- the commentary of a, a very famous game for the d's uh, it's uh melbourne sydney um from i th- i think it was 95 or 96 that uh, david schwartz kicked nine goals uh, so enjoy a couple of minutes of that 94 94 okay there you go all right. Last well, round of 94. That's correct. We'll, we'll, we'll be back. Uh, our guest tonight is the club's national recruiting manager, Jason Taylor, who's just completed his fifth draft for the Demons after crossing over from Collingwood in the early part of 2013. Uh, Jason, thanks very much for giving up your time to join us on the Demonland podcast tonight. Oh, it's a pleasure, Jason. Jason, we won't congratulate you just yet uh, for this year's draft selections. Uh, we'll wait to see how they pan out uh, in a few years' time. But uh, how do you and the team feel at the end of the whole uh, trade and draft period? Yeah, no, we were quite content. Um, yeah, and that's not to say that, like like you just said then, Andy, it's, um, you know, it, it's all got to play out. But obviously we've done a lot of work on those players over a number of years. And, um, you know, we feel that we've got a good good mix of player that have made of the right stuff and um, so we feel pretty content right now and um, we're confident they'll give it their best shot and obviously through the trade period uh, to able to bring in Jay Cleaver was a real um, uh, strong acquisition for the club and a, um, you know, a player of need and um, a player of great character and um, we're, we're wrapped to get him and also the addition of Harley Bellick as well which has made some real more depth to our midfield. So Jake Lever is obviously one overall. player um, uh, who is, you know, a walk-up start and will be in the best 22. Who among the rest of the draftees uh, and Harley 
might surprise and get games early in 2018, much like Mitch Hannon did this year. Yeah, look, I think that um, Harrison Petty is a key defender. He's a young fellow. He's fairly light. Will, will need to be nurtured and take some time. Um, and also Charlie Spargo's coming off the shoulder, but he's, he's um, not too far away. But he's he certainly got a chance, Charlie, I think, back in year, middle of the year. I mean, who, who knows? But I think the... The main two is probably Bailey Fritz, given that he's, you know, he's been able to put together a pretty um, strong year at VFL level already, um, and also Oscar Baker, who's played some senior football. They're probably the two Fritz and Baker that, that may may uh, get opportunities at some stage. Uh, there was uh, talk about West Coast uh, being into Bailey Fritch. Uh, were we always drafting him at 31, or was there was that to trump the uh, Eagles at 32? Um, it's been noted by a few Demon Landers that uh, West Coast took a bit of time after our picks. So, um, yeah, the thought was that West Coast were into him at 32. No, nah, he was a very nice player on our list, but, I mean, at times you try and work through and gather some intel um, if your picks are close enough together. 31, 36, probably a little bit far apart to be um, getting too cute with that. So we're, he was just the next player on our list, so we, we called him out at 31. How much um, how much strategising goes into... How much second-guessing do you have to do um, around the clubs around you? Um uh, and, yeah, and sort of preparing um, for the different eventualities. You get, you get a feel for what clubs might do, but it, I, I, I'm not just play, towing the party line as such, I suppose. It's that you actually do just have your order and you mark them off accordingly. You might have scenarios which might play out with later picks as far as positional types and how you've gone earlier. But um, it sounds simple to say that we just... Um, tick them off on our order, but clearly there's a lot of work that goes into that order. Yep. Uh, the decision to not replace Jake Spencer um, with another ruck is being seen by uh, some supporters as a bit of a gamble, given our injury toll in, in that uh, department this year. Are we crossing our fingers that Gorn, McDonald and, and then Peterson as a backup can stay fit, or are we hoping that... Uh, um, that King and the Flipper will come on sooner rather than later? I think it's a little bit uh, a mixture of, of all that. Like, you know, like Maxie's in um, really good nick at the moment. You, you know, you, you hope that your number one ruckman stays fit and can yep. play out the year. And uh, as we saw last year, that wasn't quite the case. And that that void was filled, you know, by Pedersen and, and, and Tom McDonald at times. Watts, um but we feel that, you know, with with that group, you've got Gorney, the guys I've mentioned, uh, Tommy McDonald, uh, Pedo, and also Sam Wiedemann, who rucked a fair bit as a junior. Now, again, he goes in the young bracket with King and Filipovic. But um, King King's had a, had a strong pre-season to date. Um, he started to gather a bit of momentum last year, and we just feel that, um, you know, in time, the setup of our, our rucks is, is OK at the moment. Um and we didn't feel a need to bring in a player um, that would potentially not play at senior level as backup and then play at Casey, and then there's no development league anymore. Um, yep. So all that stuff is part of our thinking. Like then Mitch King doesn't develop and Flipper doesn't develop because they're not getting the game time. Um, so we're just going to back in um, that, you know, well, it's not luck, but we... You know, we want to get some games into Mitch and, and, and Lachlan as well. Yep, fair call. Um, can you briefly take us through the process a bit? Um, how big is the network of talent scouts that you rely on throughout the country? Um, how many games do you personally see live and, or on tape each week? And uh, how long do you track a player ahead of a draft? Uh, is it two, three years or maybe more? Yeah, I think there's some good cases out of this year's lot. That, so Charlie Spargo, you track from you know, the under-16 Nationals, um, and you track his progress from there. Bailey Fritz, 2015, in case he looked at him potentially as a rook again, 2016. Um, he just had some issues with his body, so we, we weren't quite sure of the durability side of it there, but he's been able to put that together. And so, I mean, that's a three-year period there. Um, 
So it's it's I'd say collectively it's a three year period, but with say Oscar Baker, he only come onto the scene early early at the start of this year. Um, just circumstances, he grew late, um, and you know he started to play some good footy in the NFL, and we threw Maxi Rook, who knew a coach of his, that um, he said you know he might be worth a look. So. The whole football club's a network as such. Now, as far as our scouts around the country, I mean, they're critical to our process. We've got a fantastic group of um, scouts, just just excellent blokes who work hard and have a real passion for not only their craft, but the footy club. Um, so we've got about seven, I think, in Victoria. Um, and we've got uh, two in um, South Australia. At times, about three, and we've got... Um, two in WA at times about three. Um, had a, a, f- a fellow by the name of Mark Krug in Queensland and a guy in uh, the Northern Territory who, who covers a bit of NAFL for us um, as well. So, And then obviously there's the full-time team with, um, who do an outstanding job in Tim Lamb and Darren Fruger um, and Kelly O'Donnell is our pro scout who, who crosses over and, and, and he doesn't normally a power of work really towards the end of the year on vision and whatnot. But as far as games live, like, you know, you start watching games in February and early Feb, really. We have a break in January, start watching games again in early Feb. Uh, that's state trials start up. Um, so we, we get to those and then um, I think it averages out at about, oh, you know, really four games a weekend. It can be more, occasionally less, depending on your travel. Um and then we catch up on the vision of the games that we weren't at throughout the week, as well as writing our reports and, and having our meetings, which are to capture what's gone before from the weekend. So that's, you know, Tim and Darren will talk to all the scouts throughout the country and collect all that information, and we bring that together on a, um, a Tuesday morning, and we go through um, each each player of interest. So obviously there's an enormous amount to start with, and... Uh, so nothing falls through the cracks that way as far as our next week's planning goes. So next week's planning is like, okay, we need to make sure that we get on top of this player now, you know. So, um, you know, that's that's pretty much the process um, that we undertake for the season when the games are on. Is, is it a case of uh, drafting uh, best available or according to needs? Um, is it a combination of both or does it change from season to season depending on the circumstances? And and who has the final say ultimately? Is it you or is it Simon in the end? You know, I think there is a, there's got to be some flexibility around need. Otherwise, you just keep bringing in midfielders, you know, really, ultimately. Um, so you've got to have a bit of creativity around that, but you can't really, um, if there's a, Absolute, you know, jet at your pick. You got you just pick them because you can't have enough good players. Um, but you certainly need to keep an eye on, um, and that they are rated in your list though. But you need to keep an eye on areas of the ground, and, and I suppose Harrison Petty's an example of that. Like we've got, um, you know, uh, levers just come in. Also, we've got Oscar McDonald Frost. Um, and Tommy's played back there in the past. Um, Declan Kelly on the rookie list. So you wouldn't say comparatively that we're it's an absolute need, but we, we rated Harry, and um, at that point in the draft, we thought he was the next in line anyway, but we, we thought it, that's a good selection for the footy club to yeah. shore up our key defensive stocks going forward. So there is some thought about it. Like we were of the opinion through our discussions that, you know, we need to want to add another small forward, um, you know, with some real grunt and likes to tackle and... So we had a number of those players that we, we, you know, effectively could have rated a fraction higher because of need basis, but we we're also attracted to what they did, could deliver as a player. Um, as far as the um, final decision, uh, look, I think the greatest thing about our footy club at the moment is transparency. So we speak um, daily, if not, you know, certainly towards the latter month heading towards the draft with Simon and, and all the coaches have an input and we discuss it and it's a really strong group decision really but ultimately uh, you know that's my job description someone's got to make the final decision Simon's um, the most supportive um, person I've come across in that sense or he backs us into the hill. That's good to hear. Um, We know that uh, competitiveness is highly valued by Simon and the football department 
but in addition to talent, uh, what other attributes are you looking for in a draftee? Uh, how many times do you interview prospective recruits and uh, do you have to scrutinise stuff like their social media accounts these days as well? Yeah, um, so the first part of that was um, obviously competitiveness is critical um, yep. in any elite sport. Um, and, you know, we, we, we like them to have a certain amount of resilience because it's a, it's a hard job. Um, you know, they're, they're under pressure daily, you know, and they're competing against their teammates and, um, you know, it's their job and it's it's hard. It's hard physically, it's hard mentally and it's demanding. So they've got to have a real uh, certain resilience about them and, you know, and, and good, strong uh, origin, that team, team ethic there. Ability to want to play your role for the team, and that's not for everyone. You know, some talented players aren't aren't interested in that. So, um, as far as the interview process goes, you know, typically we've interviewed early in the year. Um, you know, that varies, but um, if we're satisfied, um, you know, one interview can be enough, and then or we may go back and and then talk um, with, with the player and their families, um, but. I think we then just do some research behind the scenes, um, and then as you get closer to the draft, we have the you know the site profiling, and we collect all that together, and then also the medical information we collect all that together, and and then um, you know you you speak to people who have been involved with their their lives um, for a long time, and and uh, you know you start getting a common theme one way or another. Um, but as far as the social media stuff, yeah, we do have a little bit of a look at it, but those things tend to rear their head for you um, as well. But, yeah, there's a lot of research that goes into it, but I, I'm not a... Um, oh, we don't interview to put them under the pump. No. Um, that's not my style, and um, I don't think you actually get the real person when you're doing that with them because you, you can't draw the information that you need out of them. Is it harder to pick the right talent at the pointy end of the draft or find a diamond in the rough um, back down the order a bit? Um, is it harder to pick it at the top or is it easier at the back? Um, oh, look, I think that um, the, 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 whether you can, it's easy to find them at the back, that just depends if... Um, it can be easier to get them at a certain point because through that intel you might know that you're really the only ones that have spoken to them. Um, So you might have rated them a bit higher, but you might take them, you know, out a bit because you've just got strong intel that says, well, I haven't spoken to anyone else, you know. So so that that gives you, I suppose, a a fair idea. But um, although... um, you know, early selections is, is look. I, I think every selection is critical, and that's that's the reality of it. Early selections are obviously highly scrutinised, and they are critical because they can give you that elite talent. Um, so you've got to do an enormous amount of work on them. Um, if you if you got that blue chip pick, you've got to make sure you you get it right because they're all young men and they all have their flaws. So next year is uh, reportedly, uh, you know, the super draft as we're hearing. Um, how keen are, are the the D's to work its way back into the first round uh, for that? And how much influence do you have in the football department to engineer that outcome? Yeah, well, I'm on, I'm part of list management, so they're ongoing discussions. But um, you just got to get into game mode and see see who's performing and improving and and. Um, you know, that can be dictated to by um, opportunities out of your control, you know, in the marketplace. But as far as the super draft, well, I'm up in Darwin at the moment. You know, obviously there's some really talented young players in this academy group. Um, but I, I don't subscribe to the super draft as such. I think that each draft, um, I think we can tend to fall in love with the 17-year-olds because we're not picking the eyes out of them. And each draft ends up having some really quality players at the top and net, net, 2018 will be the same, but um, I think the draft that's just gone had some really quality players at the top as well. Yeah. Um, Jason, thanks very much for your time. We've got a couple more for you, if you can just yeah, hang no around for a couple no, more fine. minutes. Um, Jeff Farmer has a teenage son, Kobe, um, yeah. who looks to have a bit of talent. Are we keeping yeah. an eye on the young wizard? And uh, are there any other potential father-son prospects out there at the moment? 
Cody yeah, with mind, Jake mate. Lovett's been around sort of yeah. around the mark yeah. for the past couple of years too. Yeah, yeah, Kobe's been the main one at the moment. Um, he's obviously still very young and. You know, you tend, um, you know, not not to um, interstate. You tend not to put too much extra pressure on them at the moment. But um, you know, the club will, will obviously is mindful of that. And um, at the right stage, which will be sooner rather than later, will start to um, engage a bit more there. Um, we need to uh, congratulate you and thank you for bringing um, uh, Clayton Oliver to the club, um, a best and fairest in his second year um, after a stellar debut year. Um, how does uh, he rate in terms of the elite young talent you've seen in all your time uh, being in the game? And uh, at what point did you determine uh, that we needed to target him and secure uh, the high pick uh, necessary uh, to, to get him? Yeah, look, I think we, um, I've been on record in the past that, you know, we identified Clayton early in the year um, and he wasn't in the greatest condition because he'd had some injuries through the pre-season um, so I suppose he didn't he, he didn't look the part at that time but he certainly did some stuff that we see now and then um, as his year got rolling on I went and watched him in both his VFL games for Richmond and um, he appeared in those games to be the standout player for AFL attributes Um and so pretty much from there, we were pretty keen. Um, and then we just, you know, uh, did the work on him as we would any player from then on and, um, you know, the interview process and, and all that through the combine as well. It was a home interview up Marutna and, um, and then also at the family home. And so we, we did a fair bit of work on it, obviously being an early pick, um, and we just thought we'd orchestrate that trade to, as again, I think I've been on record, to get to get some uh, early picks in and get going again, you know what I mean? Like get the players in 12 months earlier and Sam Wiedemann was part of that and we know Sam's going to take a bit of time as a, as a key forward. The tools, they take a little bit longer and that's just the reality of it. If you look back through history. Um, so um, as far as, I'm not going to be speaking about, you know, pumping Clayton up too much, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but he's obviously got some unique footy, footy talent. And he's a competitive animal. Uh, he is indeed. A question about the tap cup. Um, yeah. Does the style of play, given that it's you know so open and free, does that make it difficult to to make judgments on the players um, and how they're going to perform in an AFL environment where the contest is so much more an issue? Yeah, not for me. Um, I think that it's been spoken of, um, and I can understand some of that relevance. But I, I think the way we look at a player, that yeah, you just got to look at what you're looking, you know, the specifics of what you like in a in a player, and it doesn't really matter the circumstances of the the game. I'm typically not one to follow styles of play. Um, I'm typically not one that knows the score. Um, it's more about watching the player go about their business. Uh, in a game and how they perform under pressure and um, how competitive they want to, they want to be. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's always yep. things you'd like to change in, in a lot of things, but I think you just got to um, put your nose down, just work within the parameters you're given, and that way you'll get the job done. Um, Corey Maynard and Joel Smith uh, are both showing plenty of promise. Uh, are you tracking other Category B rookies uh, on the back of that? We had, and we and some we haven't gone with, or we haven't um, got anyone specific right at the moment. But that's always something that we're, you know, looking at and keeping in mind. And um, you know, but we've been pleased. It was disappointing when Joel got injured. I thought at the start of last year he would have played, you know, a fair bit of senior footy, hopefully. But um, yeah, and Corey, um, you can't ask much more for. Um, someone who just attacks the program like no other really, Corey. So that's why we'll give himself half a chance. Excellent. Well, uh, Jason, we just want to thank you so much uh, for giving us uh, some time uh, to talk to you tonight. Um, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. All right, that's a pleasure, guys. Uh, uh, enjoy the rest of the night. Thank you. Uh, we will. Good luck for the year. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, go the days. Go okay, the days. Thanks, Jason. That was um, that was Jason Taylor all the way from uh, Darwin um, taking the time to uh, talk to us. So yeah, very uh, 
very, is he up very there looking at uh, looking at uh, prospective talent, perhaps. Well, it, he said that you know they only have a month off and they're working the rest of the year, uh, bringing yep. talent to the to the D. So. Um, yeah, um, I got a. Uh, I just saw a question uh, to my phone from Whispering Jack. He, uh, he wanted to know: uh, Has have they got any more basketballers? <laughs> Perhaps we should have asked him uh, that one. Um, we're just gonna. We'll take. Well, it. we traded yep. out one of our basketballers, so um, now that Jack's gone. <laughs> um, yeah, perhaps we do need someone to replace him. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we're going to quickly take a sh- short break just to bring uh, Whispering Jack. Uh, well, maybe I'll just bring him on while we're talking uh, here. Um, well, yes. Um, yeah, so we'll bring Whispering. How much longer? It's interesting. Sorry. Go, yeah, go, yeah, go, bring, no, bring go. the Whispering. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's interesting, uh, his comments about Sam Wiedemann and Tall's taking longer and, uh, well, I think there are a few people out there who are wondering how long, exactly how long are we going to have to wait on Sam? Will it be this year or uh, does he have another year up his sleeve perhaps? I don't know. Well, that's the whole thing with, um, you know, with the tools. They they always say they take a little bit longer to develop, yep. but um, you've, uh, you know, he definitely going to have this year and I don't know how, how I don't know how long he's contracted for, but um, yeah. <laughs> All right, Whispering Jack didn't answer on that. I'll just give him a call. We'll take him uh, on his uh, on his phone, mobile phone, if I can find his number. Now, we didn't get the chance to ask uh, Clint Biscuit um, wanting to know whether Jason would have drafted Tumpus or Wines, <laughs> which, pro- you know, was the $6 million question. Yeah. But uh, that was next on our list. Unfortunately, we didn't get to that one, so sorry about that, Clint. <laughs> yes. Uh, was uh, Jason uh, with the club at that time? No. No, okay. So maybe we could have asked him that question. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, we are joined now by uh, some Demon Land royalty. Uh, Whispering Jack, are you on the line? Yes, I am, Andy. That was uh, a great interview with Jason Taylor, and uh, he provided a lot of insight into his job as the Melbourne recruitment manager, and he really did answer my question about whether the club has any more basketballers up their sleeves uh, when you ask him the question about uh, Joel Smith and Corey Maynard. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with that answer, even though there aren't any more. Um, I've got a grandson who's playing basketball in the under-14s, so maybe he might be the next one. Well, yeah, we can only hope. Um, if anyone wants to join us uh, and give your thoughts on our um, our recent drafting, uh, feel free to give us a call. You can call us zero three nine zero one six three triple six, or you can um, you can Skype us by uh, searching for Demonland thirty one. Um, yeah, give us a call and let us know uh, what you thought of our uh, drafting um, this draft period. Um, so. Uh, while we're waiting for a call, if, if one does come through, uh, guys, are you uh, happy whispering? I'll, I'll throw to you first. Uh, what did you think? Uh, were you happy overall with uh, our drafting? Um, do you think we filled the, the, uh, need uh, all of our needs? Um, yeah, well, I, I was I was very happy with the outcome, uh, in particular getting Charlie Spargo, who a lot of people think is too short for AFL football, but... Uh, he's got a fantastic pedigree. His great-grandfather played two games for us in 42, and even though I don't remember those games because it was actually a few years before I was born, um, but... Um, you sure did, he didn't have the video set up for them, Jack? No, no, no. We had no videos, and we had... Um, we basically... Uh, there was no film available. They were filming the World War Two at the time. Um <laughs> But uh, Charlie Spargo's great-grandfather, Bob Spargo Sr., um, played for the Bulldogs from 34 to 41, and he jumped ship to play for Melbourne in 42, and unfortunately only got two games, but he was a stall-gift third-place getter uh, twice um, in the late 30s and in 1940, and uh, his son, Ricky Spargo, who's... Charlie's great uncle was also a stall gift place getter. So there's a lot of speed in the family. 
Um, Charlie's grandfather played for the Bulldogs. Charlie's father played for North Melbourne. So the pedigree is fantastic. Uh, Paul Spargo, who after he left North Melbourne, won a number of premierships as a coach. So I would think that Charlie's had fantastic grounding. And two years ago at the Under-16 Carnival, um, he just absolutely blew off the charts as far as the um, his rating on um, on the um, Dream Team points. Yeah, you were telling me he had uh, averaged uh, over 200. Was that correct? Over, over 200. Now, if he can replicate that at Melbourne, then he's going to be pretty good. And he looks, he really looks like a footballer. He's just, he's grown up in a football household uh, with a father who's played AFL and been a coach um, at a reasonably high level. You would think that uh, that all holds him in very good stead. So I liked him. Uh, I liked Harrison Petty, an All-Australian, who sort of came out of the blue, made the South Australian state side, was their under-18 most valuable player, and, as I said, made All-Australian. So that put him in the top 22 Australian under-18 players. So he sounds pretty good. And um, Bailey Fritch... Uh, we've seen a lot of him, those of us who actually do go to some of the Casey Demons games, and he looked very promising. He's got a, he's still got a fair bit of improvement to do, which hopefully will come with the, with a pre-season at AFL level. Um, but he's pre- he previously had a couple of injury-interrupted seasons at Casey. So um, as a late developer uh, who showed a lot at Casey, uh, but he's got a lot more to go. He, he reminds me a little bit of, or well, his season reminded me a little bit of um, Jaden Hunt's um, last season before he hit the big time at Melbourne. Uh, Jaden Hunt was one of those guys at VFL level who would kick the goals but really didn't get into the play all that much. And, you know, just look at him now after a couple of years at senior AFL level, and um, Bailey Fritch, not that he's exactly the same type of player, but uh, I'm expecting him to kick on in AFL next year. As Jason Taylor mentioned, he's a good chance of making it. And then there's Oscar, uh, red-headed boy, and they love redheads at Melbourne, so he'll be popular with certainly with a number of the Demonland um, faithful who also have red hair, like Big Red. Um, and uh, so I think he'll move on in the tradition of perhaps Strawberry O'Dwyer. Uh, he's not as tall as Straubs, but um, he has a lot of exciting attributes. And it just depends on whether he can translate form in the kneeful, which is probably a much lower standard than VFL, if he can translate that into good VFL form next year and perhaps get a few games in the seniors, he might be an exciting player because certainly looks like he's got a bit of run and dash about him. Well, I've heard that there's a lot of um, SBF 50-plus uh, going around at uh, pre-season training with, uh, to accommodate all the uh, rangers uh, now at the club. Um, Grape Viney, uh, how did you see our... Um, our drafting. Did we tick all the boxes? Uh, were you uh, disappointed with any of the picks? Did you think we perhaps could have picked someone that uh, sort of had slipped through at that stage uh, when we had our picks? Uh, I can't claim to be an expert, uh, Andy. I'll bow to Whispering's uh, far superior judgment in these matters. Um, I can really only, you know, like the rest of, or most of the rest of Demonland, I've seen the highlights uh, clips. They all look like they're ready to absolutely um, start and star in the best 22. Um, But, uh, look, it was interesting to hear Jason's comments um, in relation to who's, you know, possibly a chance to get games uh, next year or even early next year. Um, I think Mitch Hannon was a bit of a surprise for all of us this season. Um, You know, it sounds obviously like uh, Petty... Um, you know, as needs a bit of uh, 
needs a bit of work put into him. Um, uh, that Spargo uh, is still um, perhaps returning from injury and is going to take a bit of time, um, but that the other two, um, you know, it might be a might be a chance. I don't know. Bailey Bailey Fritch to me looks very um, very slight. Uh, I'm sure they'll you know begin rectifying that um, now, but I guess it just depends on sort of you know how long it takes them to. To get into the right shape, and uh, you know whether whether spots are available. Yeah, well, about Bailey Fritch, I don't know whether the club has stitched him up, but uh, he's been awarded, I believe, the very famous number thirty-one jumper at Melbourne, which uh, has over the years, probably since the great Ron Barassi wore it, uh, undergone a bit of a um, well, lapsed. Uh, there's been a lot of disastrous number 31 wearers. I guess Paul Wheatley. He was all right. Paul, been, Paul Wheatley was yeah, all right. Yeah, he was. He was good. Serviceable. Ray Groom. Ray Groom wore number 31 um, immediately after Ron Barassi, and uh, he reached the pinnacle of his career um, playing for Melbourne in 1964, which was a Grand final year. I'm not sure that he played in the premiership team. I can't remember. Um, I was uh, watching the game, uh, but obviously not carefully enough. But after reaching the pinnacle of his career in football, a few years later, he retired and went back to Tasmania and became Premier of the state, uh, which just shows you how, how the mighty have fallen. Um, so that's... But number 31 has generally been a bit of a disaster for the club, so Bailey wore number two at Casey Demons this year, so that was Robbie Flowers' number and Nathan Jones, but I guess he couldn't grab that number, so it'll be interesting to see whether uh, he can overcome the number 31 hoodoo and become a great Demon player wearing that famous number. Well, there are a few uh, changes uh, which were officially announced uh, today, um uh, we we had heard on Demon Land the other day. We got the scoop um, about the number changes. Um, uh, James Harms has uh, well, I don't know if you call it an upgrade because you know that's a contentious issue whether changing numbers is an upgrade or not. But he has changed his number to uh, the vacant number four. Uh, what do you what do you guys think of that? Well, what about the millions of kids who've already got forty three um, on the uh on their jumpers already. You just cover up um, the three. <laughs> That's simple. Easy fix. Yeah, what, what about the millions who've already got number four on their jumper? Well, then um, they'll have to change uh, <laughs> change allegiances and perhaps get a sl- tattoo sleeve uh, to match. Uh, so I, and, I think that's a fairly easy fix as well. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, look, knowing the Melbourne Football Club, um, I think there'd be some very short-sighted people in the members' stand who who never refer to players by their names but rather by their numbers. And, I, you know, I just hope for James's sake that they don't uh, end up abusing number four uh, as he runs around the ground because, you know, I mean, some of them uh, who are short-sighted and myopic and everything else um, might fall into that trap. So, you know, it's another little thing that James Harms has got to contend with as number four. And um, uh, so Lever was given the uh, number eight Guernsey, which we knew uh, a week or two ago. Um, quite happy with that. Uh, Harley has uh, has got 27. They've uh, given uh, Corey uh, Maynard has got, well, if you want to call it an upgrade, he's gone to uh, number 20. Um, oh, yes. So they've also given the the new guys uh, some fair. They've Charlie Spargo. They've given nine now. Now I don't really, I don't really. It doesn't really bother me one way or the other. But some people are of the opinion that uh, you know new players should get high. Well, I don't know if you call them high or the low numbers. Or the <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I, I don't think it really matters to me. Uh, so Charlie's got number nine. Um, uh, Bailey, as we mentioned, 31. Oscar Baker's going to be at uh, number 33. And Harrison Petty, 35, uh, taking Ben Kennedy's uh, number. So, um, yeah, that's a bit of housekeeping. 
All right. Well, well, I do like um, the fact that uh, that number thirty-three for Oscar Baker, because I purchased at a Melbourne function the number thirty-three jumper about five years ago, and it at the time was being worn by uh, Oz, Ozzie Wanamira. Uh, unfortunately, um, the week after I purchased the jumper. He sprained his ankle and never played for the club again. Um, and more lately, the number 33 was allocated to Jake Spencer, who lasted about a game and a half when he replaced Maxi Gorn. So that's another bit of a worry there. I hope Oscar hasn't um, walked under any ladders or, um, you know, done anything wrong on the 13th, Friday the 13th, because that number 33 could be a problem too. Yeah, he's got a uh, bit of uh, pace on him, that Oscar. I liked his uh, highlights. Uh, I think it was uh, the goal of the year and uh, in, in the Neefel, uh where he uh, ran along the wing, took a couple of bounces and uh, drilled it from outside 50. Yes, and, and Oscar comes from the Apsley Football Club out in Brisbane way. And there is, another, there is another Melbourne player who came from Apsley, and that's... Um, Josh Wagner. Yep. Yes, um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Well, I don't think he pronounces it that way, but that's one way to pronounce it, yeah. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Moving right along. Is Uh, there canned laughter you can play I do actually have it. I don't have the app on my computer open. Uh, I didn't think I would need it, but uh, now I forgot Whispering's joining us. I should have it queued up and ready to go. Um, so also, we uh, this week, uh, you know, we're in, well, not this week, but with last few weeks, I think we're into week four of pre-season training and uh, already uh, reports are coming in that the players are training the house down. Um, uh, that surely isn't a surprise to anyone. Uh, that's true, but there was there is a slight hiccup there because uh, Dave Misson gave an update I think last week yep. where he said not everyone had come back in ideal condition, mm. or that there are some who they wish had come back in better condition. Did he name names? Um, <laughs> he didn't name names, but then one of our seasoned track watchers um, dismissed that as fake news, and uh, you know told Demon Landers not to believe it. Um, which then caused, you know, a typical training thread derailment. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, there are there are some um, some unidentified players out there that uh, that haven't been a hundred percent haven't been a hundred percent in their preparation. Hmm. I don't like hearing that because over uh, the break. Uh, you know, we had last year uh, Jack Watts come back in not such good shape. I think even Clayton Oliver uh, didn't come back in great shape and you know, he ended up having a fantastic year. But, yeah, I don't like that, uh, particularly after what happened in the 2020, 2017 uh, season. Uh, I would have thought the boys would be, well, everyone would be coming back in tip-top condition. And uh, to their credit, some of the players have come back in great condition. I mean, Maxi looks great, Jesse looks great. So hopefully it's just a couple of uh, bad apples and they get themselves sorted out. Uh, yeah, and you can Christmas. forgive a young player for doing it. Like Clayton Oliver last year, still very young, yep. um, obviously he, messed up and, and didn't look after himself he the won't right do way. That but again. he quickly he yeah. quickly uh, got on the right um, got in the right frame of mind and on the right track and was able to rectify it. So you sort of hope that if if there are players that. Uh, um, if there are players that aren't, you know, sort of less than ideal, that it's the younger guys rather than the, the experienced heads that should know better. Um, uh, neither of you guys have been down to training, I take it. Uh, you haven't seen anything firsthand. Um, I'd like to get down at some point and uh, watch the boys. Um, and it's great that we do have a couple of Demon Landers who are uh, getting out there, and um, you know, it's really appreciated by uh, us, the, those of us who are chained to a desk or or are interstate. So um, yeah, I just want to thank you know those Demonlanders who do get out there on a uh, you know weekly and sometimes 
tri-weekly basis. Um, it, it, it's it, these track watches do uh, do us a very um, very special favour. Um, so, what else is going on, uh, Demonland? Uh, you know, it's it gets a bit quiet this time of year. There, two thing, One thing that uh, uh, yesterday talking about uh, injuries. Uh, Jack Viney uh, was interviewed, and uh, you know he claimed that he's on track, uh, you know, for for next year. But it seems like uh, he's not on the training track, um, and you know he's had the, the delayed start. He was possibly going to be back before Christmas, but now it seems that uh, mid Jan is when he's going to start. Uh, uh, is this concerning to you guys, as it is to me? Um, that the problem could be, you know, worse than we thought. Whispers. Well, I, I, I don't know enough about um, treatment of injuries. Perhaps we should get Dave Misson on as well as Jason Taylor and uh, he can uh, explain to us uh, what's happening with Jack Viney. But I suppose you've got to be conservative with your co-captain, one of our better players. And I still believe, and it's no use crying over spilt milk, but I, I think... His, his injury probably cost Melbourne a place in the eight last year. Uh, I, I think that had he been available in those last three or four games, he would have been worth at least an average of one goal per game and seeing we missed out by two. Um, his absence possibly cost us a place in the, in, the, in the top eight and he's a pretty valuable player for us. He goes in hard in the midfield and... Uh, I'm hopeful that uh, by being conservative and giving him a little bit more time that uh, he'll come good on time. Um, he's been around long enough. He's still young, but he's been around long enough to um, be able to um, make good with a shorter pre-season than some others require. And I'm sure he's such a professional in his preparation that he'll be doing other things that he can do whilst not on his feet. And so I'm, I'm not too worried at the moment. Yeah, I'm positive he's, uh, he's doing everything he can to keep himself uh, in we, shape. We keep hearing that the club is conservative in their treatment of injuries, and we're told that. But did, uh, and this is sort of, we don't know the answer to this question in relation to Viney's foot injury. Was it caused by him coming back too soon from the other earlier foot injury? And if so, whose fault is that to have allowed that to have happened, basically? It's a, it's a good question. Is it the fitness anyone. staff for not holding him back? Or, you know, did they all make the wrong call? It's one of those you Or perhaps they're you... unrelated, which, which I guess we don't know. Well, but, no, sorry. Andy. None of us do, but it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, from the, the supporters' perspective, you know, if they bring him back too early... Uh, you know, the supporters will, uh, you know, scream and shout. But then if you don't play and they're like, why aren't you playing? You know, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those uh, double-edged sword type of things. But, yeah, maybe he was brought back a little bit too early. Um, but well, look, we don't yeah, know. With hindsight, I suppose he should have had another couple of weeks off and you never know what would have happened uh, had that been the case. But I think in his first game back, he really started yeah, he against did. Port Adelaide. He did. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, the uh, if anyone does want to call, uh, we're still around for a little bit. Zero three nine zero one six three triple six. You want to give us your uh, thoughts on the draft or uh, Jack Viney, or if you're a track watcher and want to give a report, uh, Demonland thirty one on Skype. Um, the other thing that was came was an article about today was about Jordan Lewis. Uh, saying that he will be training with Melbourne's backline this preseason. Um, now, I'm not sure what he was doing last preseason, but I'm pretty sure during the year he was pretty much playing, playing the on the back line, line anyway. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's not news to me. I mean, I would assume that he would be training with the back line, but they made quite a big uh, you know, thing about that today. So uh, I'm happy. I'm happy for him to play off the half-back line, be a bit of the general uh, down back, give a bit of leadership uh, to the guys there. Um, but someone did, uh, they talked about him moving back because of the whole leadership thing, and obviously 
eventually Le- uh, Lever's, you know, sort of going to be that general down back. But uh, not this doesn't concern me. But uh, it, uh, you know, we've got Hibbert and Jetta down down back, and I would have thought that'd be a bit of leadership from those guys. But perhaps not not so much. Um, but uh, as I said, it doesn't concern me. But um, yeah, I don't know. They seem to make a big deal about him being in the back line and yeah he, I see him as a bit of a back line you know cross half back well the other thing about it is that uh, that article also mentioned that Bernie Vince is uh, designated into the back line as well and uh, I really can't see Jordan Lewis and yeah. Bernie Vince both playing in the back line not with all yeah. of the other players that we have there yeah, I, I agree. Look, I've said for a while I would prefer Bernie in the forward line, but uh, someone pointed out that um, when I said that on Demonland today, someone pointed out that sort of Melksham's playing that role across half forward. So, yeah, if, uh, Bernie, you know, could be fighting for a position this year and, uh, you know, I wish him all the best because I love Bernie when he's up and firing. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. Uh, the two in defence, it's, um, yeah, could be one too many. Um, Nevertheless, it looks like we're going to have a very strong defence, as they say in the USA, um, with those players there. Lever, Oscar McDonald will be kicking on. Neville Jett is pretty close to an All-Australian defender. Um, Sam Frost is a fairly handy player to have in there if he can get in the side and um, well Jordan Lewis and one or two others I, I, Michael I think Hibbert, did you yeah. mention yeah um, well I think uh, unless is Jaden Hunt going to find a spot at a half back or does he go to a wing perhaps uh, I I like him playing off the half back line but um, you know if uh, it's going to our backline's going to look a lot different with different with Lever down there, so it could be interesting. Maybe he will be pushed uh, onto the wing. Um, yeah, it's going to be. I know uh, some people have suggested he should go to half forward, but I think then you're taking away his big weapon, which is the line breaking and the yeah. running. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. But uh, look, it's good when uh, <laughs> you know we we don't know. Where players should play, it's. Uh, I think it's going to be a really exciting year, and um, you know, where I think after tonight's uh, podcast, I think we're going to take a little bit of a break. There's not much going on this uh, this end of the year and into early next year, and we're going to be back um, for the. Uh, is it still called the JLT series? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I believe it's so. such a household name; it couldn't <laughs> be called anything but. It's good old JLT. It's really not good advertising for them uh, because I still don't even know who uh, JLT are. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, we'll be back. Uh, the Demonland podcast will return uh, in February. Do we, is that when the game starts uh, next year? Are we are we knocking yep. off already? Well, unless oh, I can I can <laughs> I can play down them. I can I can pot us down and the music down. And it, is there anything else you think we need well, to discuss? I'd like to put in a cl- a plug. Okay, for well, plug for, away. One of, for a demon famous demon supporter who's bought out a book and who did appear on um, this podcast earlier in the year, and that's Titus O'Reilly, yes. who's brought out a book called. Unhelpful History of Australian Sport, and I think you know it's a perfect book for Christmas for for all the folks out there, and you can get it I think on TitusO'Reilly.com. Um, this is a totally um, a total uh, an unpaid adver- advertisement. An unpaid ad, and it wasn't solicited or anything like that. But <laughs> I I noticed it on my Twitter feed today, and I thought, well, Titus did appear on on this podcast, so. We deserve to give something back to anyone who does appear here. So if Jason Taylor ever writes a book, we'll plug it as well. Um, I also wanted if you've, just if to... you've got a stronger constitution, just while we're plugging books, you could go for the Great Depression, um, oh, which is uh, you know the history of the last uh, ten years of joy at the Melbourne Football Club, written by uh, Super Mercado. 
Um, yes, who, who I actually also coached. known as uh, Demon Demon Blog um, yeah. in other guises online. Um, yeah, also I, I actually a great coached read. him. I coached him in a Demon Land Inter Forum football game, and uh, and he kicked a goal. So I believe he's been commissioned to appear on our podcast next year at some time. So uh, he can talk yep. about his highlight of his football career. Um, when the coach put him into the forward line on a fat Collingwood um, full back <laughs> and he managed to kick a goal. So, um, yeah, uh, I've, I have commissioned uh, uh, Super Mercado to come on this podcast and we'll get him on uh, early next year, perhaps in the uh, pre-season to discuss his book and discuss, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the great, de- was it called the, De- Great Depression. Um, yes. Yes. It's published it, by a little-known publishing house called um, Brunton Avenue will be closed for 20 minutes at the end of the match at the discretion of the police operational commander. <laughs> uh, I don't think do they've released too many other books, but uh, they are known for quality literature. Well, that's right. Um, and uh, he also, um, perhaps people don't know, but he's also got a very good resource on the Melbourne Football Club, and that is the Demon Wiki, which uh, yep. if you go to Demonland Links, it's about the fourth or fifth link, a history of the Melbourne Football Club. And if you have any arguments about anything, um, all you need to do is look up that site, and that's Super Mercado's site as well, and he's spent thousands of hours putting that together, and uh, I use it as a resource from time to time. So... That's another little plug for Adam. Um, he's got a lot of. He's collected a lot of quirky um, and funny memorabilia over the years. Um, you know, cutouts from newspapers and advertisements for coaches from uh, you know from the from the sixties um, and seventies. So uh, yeah, a treasure trove of uh, of um, of demon paraphernalia. Yes, and I, I remember a few months ago reading an article that he sourced um, from the one of the newspapers, I think the Herald, Melbourne Herald, uh, which used to come out in the evenings, and uh, it was a story about a couple of Melbourne footballers who went to the snow with some snow bunnies and <laughs> yes. got lost. And uh, I'll try to dig it out uh, when he actually comes on because it was a very entertaining um, little article from the <laughs> newspaper of... The 1950s. You it could... was, and uh, the two women who the Melbourne boys were out on uh, out on this little adventure with, I think both of them had their addresses published in that article, um, and uh, the same courtesy wasn't extended to the uh, uh, to the male protagonists. So just a little bit of a funny window into um, the way things were done at that time. But uh, yeah. I, I've seen that article, and it's very amusing. Yes, uh, and. Could I also, just while we're just wrapping it up, I'd like to congratulate one of our posters, Chelly, who on the 4th of December last year carried out a um, phantom draft, and I think it was the first phantom draft of the year for 2017, and he named as his number one pick none other than Charlie Spargo. So um, he wasn't (laughs) exactly correct, but for those who are looking for good signs for one of our recruits, um, the kid was considered by somebody as the number one pick. Well, I don't know if that's uh, congratulations or whether he uh, missed it by that much. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, it is, uh, for us, it is good that uh, at one stage you know, he was touted that. Uh, I believe he was out for considerable part of the year with a shoulder injury so perhaps that's a reason he slid down the um, down the oh, order, definitely. order. Yeah. I, I think he hardly played a game this year so um, we'll be looking forward to Charlie next year wearing the number nine jumper and uh, yep. I don't I don't think he'll run out looking exactly like David Neitz but um, Good luck to the lad. And, and just to those, you know, going back to, uh, you know, his height and people saying, you know, he's too short. Um, there was a guy called Brent Harvey not long ago who uh, 
who didn't go too badly, uh, particularly when he played us. So uh, if he can have just a little bit of that talent, I, I, w- I won't mind. Yeah, well, he played, played 900 Trent. games or something, didn't yeah. he, Harvey? Yeah, so... Uh, 432 games at only 171 centimetres. So um, Charlie's 0.8 of a centimetre taller than that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not the sky's the limit. I'm not too worried about uh, the height in that, uh, in that case. Um, Whispering, do you have anything else you want to pl- unsolicited, uns- plug unsolicitedly? <laughs> no, no. I, don't, I, I really don't have a share in that book at all, I can promise you. But um, I'll, I'll come up with something next year when I'm on. All right. Well, the Demon Wiki uh, can be found at demonwiki.org. Uh, check it out. It is a great resource for Demon fans. Um, I get a lot of our, the stats uh, if ever I have to look up something quickly about the D. So, yeah, it is good. I, I, I was doing early in the year on Face, or later in this year, I was doing some stuff for uh, in regards to the sponsors that we had. And, uh, yeah, that was a great uh, resource. Um, so, nothing else from you guys? Nothing else? Well, no more housekeeping? Well, I think, I think we shouldn't let, let it go without, since we're talking about height, I just noticed... Uh, from the age, um, a photograph of Max Gorn, and he oh, is yes. dwarfed. Yeah, uh, he looks like a dwarf next to our ruck assistant Mark Bradkey. Yeah. Um, in case when did that happen? Well, in case you uh, didn't know, it was uh, was came out today that uh, Mark Bradkey, uh, Australian uh, basketball champion, I believe he played for Australia. Um, yep, is our ruck well, assistant ruck coach. Um, which is an interesting, um, uh, you know, interesting appointment. I wonder uh, what type of footy background he has. That's that's an interesting one. Also or, worth or, having a look at know, the picture, could... which I think you posted up uh, today, Andy, yep. um, and which Cards13 correctly pointed out. Have a look at the footy in his hand. It looks like he's carrying one of those mini footies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, his hand just absolutely... Envelops the whole thing. It's incredible. Yeah, it's a pity Big he's boy. not. Bit pity he's not playing for us next year as a backup ruck. Um, yeah, we we might need one. Well, you know, um, we might be able to find a point guard or some a power forward. Um, you know, the game of Australian football is always um, evolving, and uh, we might have guys running around bouncing footballs and doing things, you know, one handed. Uh, could be very interesting. I'll, I'll take. Uh, can, can we get a tackling coach in, into the club? That's what I want to see. I want to see more tackling and more ferociousness. Um, or, or alternatively, they could put basketball nets on the goalposts, and you get ten points if you can slam dunk yeah. or something like that. Well, with the, with the rate that uh, the AFL is making rules changes these days, I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing that uh, at some point. Uh, we're lucky that the bounce is still uh, still there. Um, but anyway, yep. uh, all right, we're about to be bounced. I can see. Yeah, I think I think it's time. We've uh, we've done a good uh, hour. Um, I think it's uh, time that we uh, we go. Um, and yes, we spring. And wish everyone well over the festive seasons. Stay safe and uh, come back and enjoy Melbourne's 2018 Premiership season. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, yes. It'd be nice to go through the, the, the season undefeated. That, that'll, that'll make uh, doing these podcasts every week <laughs> make it much easier. Um, thank you to Jason Taylor for joining us tonight. We really appreciated that. Uh, great Viney, thank you. Whispering Jack, thank you. Um, thank you. N- Nasha sends his apologies. Uh, he bailed on us, but uh, he'll be back next year. Um, yeah, I think we'll return uh, for the uh, pre-season competition. And, um, yeah, hopefully the boys have a, a good break and uh, come back fit and firing after the Christmas. Um, maybe, we can do, maybe we can do something around the time of the, uh, of the women's competition. Uh, we obviously yes. had... Our very first guest was Mel Hickey. Um, maybe we can get uh, 
um, maybe we can get someone on from the uh, from the women's team. Yeah, I think I can uh, swing that. So I might be able to get someone on. Uh, yeah, happy to do that. Um, yeah, Daisy. Stay tuned. Uh, I'm sure we'll be able to find someone who wants to talk to us. Um, uh, my name is Andy. You can uh, find the podcast, demonland.com. Find us on iTunes or SoundCloud uh, and soon to be YouTube as well. All right. Um, from all of us at Demonland, uh, have a good uh, break and we'll see you in the new year. Cheers.